Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. When I was growing up, my father had this thing that he loved to do, and he called it the long drive. Actually, he pronounced it long drive. And basically what it was is wherever we wanted to go, whether it was to Tahoe or to Tennessee, we were going to get there by a long drive every single time. And this, is, this was a while ago. And, and the interesting thing about my dad and when we went on these long drives, I had three brothers, and they always got a room with two queen beds. So, you know, there's six of us, there's space for four so the, the, they had somehow tricked us into thinking that the best place to sleep was in that little gap in between the beds where they would take the bedspreads off the two beds and they would, they would lay them down in the gap there and you'd get the extra pillows and that's where you got to sleep if you were good, on the floor, in the gap, between the beds. If you were good. If you were good. That was my dad. But the thing that I loved about my dad and these long drive trips, which at the time I hated. But the thing that I love now that I'm older and I look back on them is the fact that wherever we went, my dad would stop at anything just to take a picture. So we would be chugging along on a cross-country trip. And you know those signs that are by the road that says, you are now in Illinois? Yeah, dad would pull over in the station wagon, you know, all the way to the gravel and then the dirt. And then he'd make us get out and run up to the sign (laughs) to take a picture. So that's, that's me and my mom and my brother in our station wagon. And obviously we are just entering Maine. I wondered about this now that I'm older and I've had kids because here's me and my brother... We're on the side of the road because we're about to enter Pennsylvania. And I remember, I don't remember if it was here, but I remember times where he would say, get out of the car. And we would get out of the car and these semis would rush by and there would be this gust of wind. And I didn't know what was going on. And now I have to question what that man was thinking to let these little kids go out with traffic barreling down the road at 55, 60 miles an hour just to take this picture. Yeah. A few years ago, we took a trip out to um, we took a trip out to the Grand Canyon, and uh, there was a place that I really wanted to go, because when I was a child, we stopped there, and it was called uh, uh, Bedrock Land, which was like where they had recreated Bedrock from the Flintstones. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, which is sad to me. But um, we went there, and uh, we even um, took a picture. And this one didn't turn out real well because this is a picture from the photo album. But uh, I'm obviously the one taking the picture, and that's my parents, and, and that's my brother. And, and I love this because this is the kind of guy that my dad was. He would, we would be going somewhere, and no matter what it was, if it was the world's biggest ball of yarn, the world's biggest ball of tinfoil. If there was a sign on the side of the road that said exit here, then 34 miles, he would go to anything 
just so that we could get a picture. Now, I don't bring this up just to embarrass my parents. I bring this up to say that there's a a principle there that I think fits right into what we've been talking about these last five weeks and talking about who you could be in five years. And, And it's something that occurred to me now in, in all of those times where I, I just was really upset that we were taking all of these detours. But listen, you don't make your memories on the interstate. You make them at the stops. Amen. And sometimes I think we get into this place where we just want to get to where we're going. And we forget about getting off the highway and making some stops. Now, especially in the context of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this whole idea of you in five years. And we asked in the very first week, we asked the question, who? Who could I be in five years? Instead of looking at what normally we do at the beginning of the year and and we talk about, you know, what am I going to do for the end of the year? What's my New Year's resolution? We said, let's take it from a, a, a perspective that's a little farther back. And let's look at what we could really do if we, if we invested five years of our time, five years of our energy, five years, instead of just that short-sighted one year, who could we be? And if you were here in that first week, you probably remember that you got one of these. Right? Who still has their domino? All right, see, so some of you do. For those of you who are watching us online, too bad. But you got your domino. And one of the things that we we said about the domino was, listen, if you make a 1% change and 1% improvement every week for a year, you would make a 50% improvement. And this domino, after 13 or 14 50% improvements, becomes three feet tall. And after another 20 or so, it becomes as tall as the Empire State Building. And so we looked at that first week and we said, okay, let's ask the question now. Who could we be in five years? And then one of the things that we talked about, the next thing that we talked about was why. Why is it so hard for us to change? Why is it so hard for us to do and be who we want to be in five years? And so we, 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 asked the, the, we said that change doesn't happen in a day, but change happens daily. And, the, and what we talked about there was that you can't just hit it out of the park in one day. That you, it's something that you have to do slowly over and over again over time. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how. How are we going to do it? And, and what we said was that little by little eventually becomes a lot. And it's hard because sometimes when you take those first steps, you don't see any results. I stopped eating cake for three days and nothing happened. It just doesn't happen immediately. You've, you have to give it time. And then last week, we wrapped it up by asking the question, when? When are we ever going to find the time to do these things? And what we talked about last week was, was this kind of paradigm shift where instead of what we normally think of as the morning and then the evening being a day, looking at it, what, what God said from the very beginning is he set time for the evening first and then the morning. And so we said that if we were to anchor our day with God in the evening, And anchor our days with God. That his promise was that he would get us through. Not enough for the year. Not enough for the five years. But just enough for the day. 
Anchor your day and your days. And I've been very excited about this series because for us, if you are watching us uh, live right now on Facebook Live, or if you're watching a replay of this, this series has been the most watched series that we've had. It's been the most listened to series online. Uh, I get emails about it all the time. For those of you here, we're here last week. I get emails from people saying that they miss the donuts. You got to be here. If you want to have the manna, you got to be here. So today, as we wrap up, as we're, we're looking at, at, at these last four weeks, and there's no way that I can go through the entire four weeks with you right now. And so if you haven't heard any of them, like I said, they are on Facebook, they are online, you can listen to them. But the thing that I want to talk about today is perhaps the most important thing that we have to remember as we go through and think about who can I be in five years? What's that big goal that you have for five years from now? And for some of you, it might be that you want to learn a language. And not just learn it enough to pass a test, but man, five years of investing in that language, you can go to wherever that country is and you can speak like the people who speak there. Maybe for some of you, your, your five-year thing is to, to go back to school or, or to, to start school and do a complete career change. Five years. So whatever that five-year thing is. Um, I, there was a, a book that I read as a child. Maybe some of you remember it. And it was called The Phantom Tollbooth. And I love this book. I had the book. I, I saw a couple of versions of the movie. And the Phantom Toll Booth is about a guy named Milo. And Milo was on this great journey. And he went to this place, this magical place called the Kingdom of Wisdom. And he was there because he had to go through all of these different dangerous places to go to the mountain to find the two princesses so that he could save them. Well, one day in the book... Milo is going with, with one of his acquaintances, one of the people he met, uh, a guy named Alec, and, and they're going through this, this area, and, and it's completely barren. And Alec says, this used to be, or this is, the city of reality. And this is what he says about it. Uh, and this is right from the book. This is Alec explaining to Milo what the city of reality is. He said, many years ago, on this very spot, there was a beautiful city of fine houses and inviting spaces. And no one who lived here was ever in a hurry. The streets were full of wonderful things to see, and the people would often stop to look at them. Now, as you know, the most important reason for going from one place to another is to see what's in between. And they took great pleasure in doing just that. Then one day, someone discovered that if you walk as fast as possible and look at nothing but your shoes, you would arrive at your destination much more quickly. Soon everyone was doing it. They all rushed down the avenues and hurried along the boulevards, seeing nothing of the wonders and beauties of their city as they went. No one paid any attention to how things looked. And as they moved faster and faster, everything grew uglier and dirtier. And as everything grew uglier and dirtier, they moved faster and faster. And at last, a very strange thing began to happen. Because nobody cared the city slowly began to disappear. Day by day, the buildings grew fainter and fainter, and the streets faded away, until at last it was entirely invisible. There was nothing to see at all. And I, 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 I listen to that, and I think about this whole concept of who you could be in five years. And sometimes the shortest distance between two places... It, it might be the fastest route there, but it's never the most interesting route there. 
And so today as we wrap up, I want to talk to you and, I, and, and look at a passage in Scripture. It's a passage that if you grew up in church, if you grew up studying the Bible, it's probably something that you've heard many, many times. But today I hope to give you a little bit of a different spin on it. In fact, if you were like me, you probably completely misunderstood this passage and I hope that you can see that it's a little bit different. It's in the book called John. And if you have your Bibles, you want to follow along with me. John is, is right around the middle. If you just crack your Bibles open and in the middle and turn to the right, you'll see John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Or you can uh, look on your apps. But we're going to put the, the text on the screen. And John was one of Jesus' disciples. And disciple is just a fancy word for a student, a follower. And John was one of Jesus' favorite. In fact, Scripture tells us that Uh, that John was the one that Jesus loved. And it wasn't that he didn't love the rest of them, but he was the special one. And so John wrote an account of everything that he saw as he walked with Jesus. And John, in writing that, he, he quotes Jesus. He's talking to Jesus because Jesus is in front of a bunch of religious people. And the religious people are asking him questions, and Jesus is trying to answer in a way that's going to get them thinking differently. And so he uses this image of a pen, not, not a writing pen, but a pen that, that sheep go in. It's, it's surrounded by a fence, and the sheep are, are, are supposed to be inside the pen. And he talks about how the sheep are trying to get into the pen in different ways. And, and this is what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9. He says this, he says, I am the door. I am the door. Which what he's trying to say is, is you guys keep trying to find another way around into what's inside. But I'm the door. If you want to get there, I am the way to get there, to get to what's inside. The verse goes on and he says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And religious people, and for many of us who grew up in the church, we see this word and it says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And our automatic thinking is this is talking about going to heaven, right? The end of time comes and we're going to go to heaven. That's the normal understanding of this verse. But in the Greek, it's actually better translated that he will be safe, not saved. And so our understanding that this is talking about heaven may not be right because he's not saying saved. He's saying if anyone enters into this place, into this part that has been roped off, that has been fenced off, this place where I am the door, if you enter through where I am, you're going to be safe. He goes on and he says this, and not only are you going to be safe, but you will go in and out and find pasture. Now, that phrase, in and out, the, if you t- it's actually a, a phrase that in that context came to mean how you live your life. The activities of your life. If you go in through the gate, you will go in and out. You'll be able to go through the activities of your life, and he says, and you'll find pasture. And that pasture is an image that when, when Jesus said it and the people at the time who heard him say pasture, the image that they would have gotten would have been a place where all of your needs are met. Where there's nothing missing. Where everything that you need is there. Now think about this. If this was talking about heaven, if this was talking about once the end of the world comes, why would he say that you can go in and out? Right? 
you can't go back. I mean, if this is the end of the world, there's no going back. There's a specific reason, he says, and we'll go in and out and find a pasture. Because he's talking about not life in a faraway place. Not life after the world ends. However you may have grown up and how you may have understood that. What he's talking about is life today. How you live your life today. And the image that Jesus is is painting is an image of a place that is protected. Where if you get into that place, and the only way to get in is through Jesus. But if you were to go to that place, you would be free to go in and out. And when you're in there, all of your needs are met. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Everything is there. That's the image that he's giving us. So he says, you can go out and then Jesus takes it to a different place. And this may be something that you're very familiar with because he says this, the thief. And so he's telling us that there is another person out there. There is someone out there who has a different mission than Jesus does. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, what Jesus is telling us is that there is a force that is coming up against us that wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I'll tell you that it's easy to look at this and to think that it's just talking about life, as in my heart is beating, my brain is functioning, I have life. But you know, the thief wins much easier when he doesn't kill our bodies but when he steals our joy. And it's funny because most of us get our joy stolen in the everyday mundane things. You know what steals our joy? Get an annoying customer that you have to deal with at work. You know what steals our joy? Is having to drive home in the middle of rush hour traffic You know what steals our joy is finally getting home and no one has made dinner and the laundry is all over the place and the sink is full of dishes and it's your turn to do it all. Those are the things that steal our joy, the everyday stuff. And that's what's so powerful about this, because when he says that the thief comes except doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, it doesn't just mean that we have to look out for someone who's out to take our life but it's someone who is out to steal the joy in our lives is what he's saying. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill and destroy. And then he says this, and this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I have come. I am here. I, Jesus, am now present among you. He says, I have come that. And that is that transition word. It means that I have come and now I'm going to tell you why I have come that they may have life. And some of you know how the end of this goes and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, the word abundantly is interesting because I think we all know abundance and we've heard what abundance could be. And I think we all have an image in our minds of what abundance means. But that word abundance in the Greek is the word perisos, perisos. 
And the word parisos, which means abundant, is a mathematical term. It's talking numerically. It means that there is more than what is required. That there is more than what is needed. That there is an abundance. And I I talk to people about this all the time because sometimes it's hard for us to understand. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have a million dollars in the bank? Or would you rather always have five cents more than any check you ever write? Do you see the difference? Would you rather have one large thing that you have to guard, that you have to worry about, that you have to protect? Or would you rather know that no matter where you go or what you do, you have more than what is needed? And that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about when he talks about parasos. It's a mathematical term that means you've got more than the number that's required. And what he's telling us is, is listen, every area of your life, if you trust me, I'm going to give you more than what you need. I'm not going to give you this overflowing vat that you have to worry about. But in every single instance and in every single situation, when you figure out that this is what you need, that's what you're going to get. Just a little bit more. More than what you need. And enough of what you need. And when he talks about abundance, he is talking about it because now, see, this is all part of the same uh, paragraph. It's all part of the same uh, speech that Jesus is giving. He's talking and he's teaching and it's all together. And what he's saying, when we look at it in the context of that entire phrase... What he's saying to us is as we go in the in and outs of our lives, as we go through and do the daily activities that occupy us, as we go through doing all of the things that we have to be to do to be who we want to be in five years, that he is going to be there if we'll let him, that he is going to be there and that at every stage, in every moment, you are going to have more than what is needed every single time. That's what he's talking about. And the reason that I want to talk about this now, and the reason that I I want to end our time as we're talking about you in five years, and the reason that I say that it is the most important thing is because as we go, as you plan, as you start writing down or thinking about, hey, maybe, you know, I can do something in five years. Maybe I can learn that language. Maybe I can get that degree. And you start to make your plans and you start to put your targets down and you start moving towards who you want to be in five years. The temptation is going to be to push everything else aside and get to there as quick as you can. And how awful would it be to get to where you want to be five years from now and have it look back on five years of misery Five years of nothing happening. Five years of unhappiness. Enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going is essentially what Jesus is telling us in that passage. That in the day-to-day of your life, as you take all of those steps that you need to take to get to where you want to be, don't forget about enjoying every single step as you go along the way. Don't let life 
whiz by like you're on the interstate. When you see the world's largest ball of yarn, take the exit and go see it. Enjoy where you are at every single moment on the way to where you're going. If you uh, came in today, uh, there was a piece of paper that you found on your seat. It looks like this. So if you've got it, I want you to pull it out. For those of you who are watching us online, if you go to our website, wearegracepoint.com, and look for this, the PDF of this is online, so you can download it and print it out right now. But I wanted to make sure that every one of you had a copy of this. And if, listen, if you are here for the first time and you haven't heard any of the previous messages, then I hope you'll take this with you. And as you, if you get a chance to back up and, and lo- listen to some of the earlier messages that we've been here, that you'll get to take a look at this. But what I want you to do, or wanna, what, the reason that we put this together is to give you an opportunity to write down what your destination is. Where is it that you want to be in five years? What is that thing that you want to do? What is that degree you want to get or the language you want to learn or, or, or whatever it is in your life that you want to make a change? I want you to write it down. Because one of the things that happens when you write it down and that you look at it and you can see it is that it keeps it front and center in your mind and in your life. So take an opportunity and write it down. But on the back, on the back, it says notes for my journey. And the reason is this. Because sometimes when we get on the interstate, we do have trouble remembering that we want to also enjoy the journey as we go. That when God and when Jesus talks about life abundant, he's not talking about you and the destination. He's talking about the path that gets you there. That's where you experience his abundance. And so because our nature is to say, I will have my life when I get to this place. I'll start thinking about that stuff as soon as I get my degree. I will do all of those things as soon as the kids move out of the house. I will get to that place once I pay off my mortgage. Whatever it is, our tendency is to put it off until that target that we reach is reached. So on the back side where it says notes for my journey, what I want you to do is to think about those small things that you want to remember as you take the little steps every day. For some of you, the thing you might want to remember is, I need to spend more time with blank. I don't know who that is. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. It might be a parent. It might be a pet. I don't know. I never had pets, so completely clueless on that. But I don't know who it is. But for some of you, that may be it. That may be the thing that you're going to be sacrificing that you don't want to sacrifice. Some of you, it might be you have friendships that you, you have completely ignored. I went to a funeral this week and uh, was saddened because there are so many people that I see and I only see them at funerals. And I recognize that I, I need to do better. Especially in this day and age where you can text and you can call and I don't have to write a letter and I don't have to wait seven to ten days while the mailman delivers it. There's no reason for it. Nurture friendships. Maybe what you need to remember to do is every once in a while take a break and go watch a movie. And I'm not talking about one that you can watch at home while, 
while you're doing something else, but take us some time and go somewhere. Watch a movie, go see a concert, but do the small things and don't just give everything up. For some of you, it might be walk on the beach because you love walking on the beach and you never make time for it anymore. So put it down. The things that you know you need to make sure you keep doing. And, and you look at this, and I don't expect anybody's destination to be a whole page. And I don't expect anybody's notes for their journey to be a whole page. And so you may be wondering why it's on two sides. And the reason is this. It's because there's going to be seasons in your life where you need to remind yourself of your destination. And that's the side that you need to have taped to your uh, bathroom mirror or on your refrigerator. You need the reminder that, hey, this is where I'm headed. But there are going to be seasons in your life where you know where it is that you're headed and you need to remember the things that you need to do to experience God's abundance along the path. So sometimes you're going to be looking at the things you got to remember for the journey and sometimes you need to be reminded that there is a destination. So take this sheet of paper with you and, and put on there, use it as you, as you see fit. If you want to make a airplane out of it and just toss it away, we want to give you a tool to help you as, we t- as you look at who you could be in five years. Now, the best part of this is at the end of all of this, Jesus says this. He says, oh, wait, for some of you, I forgot about do nothing. For some of you, the thing you need to put on your list is do nothing, but not just do nothing, do nothing and be okay with it. I would go nuts doing nothing, but you got to be okay with it. So this is what Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. And you've probably heard this before. The Lord is my shepherd is a, is a text from scripture that everybody's heard many, many times. But there's a reason why Jesus uses this image. And the reason that he uses this image is because everybody in that time period understood what a shepherd does. Everybody in that time period understood the nature of the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And here is essentially the nature of the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. The sheep lives their life in as much happiness as it can live it. And the shepherd makes sure that they are taken care of and protected. The sheep goes wherever it wants to go, does whatever it wants to do. It eats when it wants to eat. It doesn't eat when it doesn't want to eat. But it always is protected by the shepherd who always leads it to where it's safe, to leads it to where it's provided for. And so in one of his most famous statements, this, Jesus says, I'm not just a shepherd. I am a good shepherd. And then even before the people who were in that room listening to him understood what he was talking about. And even before his disciples, the the men who had been with him throughout his entire ministry, the men who knew him the, the most, who had listened to all of his teachings, even before they understood what Jesus was talking about, he said, I am the good shepherd And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And see, at the time he said that, they didn't understand what he meant. And yet for us sitting here thousands of years later, knowing exactly how the story unfolds, knowing exactly how the story ends, 
we can look at this and we can say, yes, I understand it. And I pray that you understand that too. That as Jesus is going through this and he's saying, listen, I'm going to be there. That as you live your life, as you go through the ins and outs of every day, that that as you wander through and and try to make the right decisions and, and try to get from where you are now to who you want to be in five years, as you go along the interstate, that I want you to make sure to take time to enjoy the abundant life that I have promised for you. And that in that abundant life, you can be certain of it. That you can have no doubt about it because he is the good shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. He gave his life for his sheep. And that's how we know. So I just pray that as you continue to think about this whole concept, this whole idea of looking past just a New Year's resolution and looking at really what can I really do to make a difference in my life five years out, that you would remember that the abundant life is what Jesus offers if we place our faith and our trust in him. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.